0: All right, we're going to get started. If you could have a seat, please. (laughs) In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Okay, hello, good morning. Hi, everybody. I'm sure we're much more awake now than, oh my goodness, this morning was so hard. Um, Okay, so I'd like to start out with a little scenario. I think he did. George, we're starting, we started, okay. Um, So I'd like to start with a scenario. Many of us are parents. Um, We're also kids once, so I think we can relate here. So let's say you have your child, they were like when they were younger. They're like, you know, on the bed or like on a chair or something, and you hold out your hand, you say jump. Do they jump? Yeah. They jump, do they go, uh, are you gonna catch me? No, they jump. They may, if they're a little older, go mm, I'm gonna catch me and then they do it anyway, they'll jump, right? Or like let's say you have like when, when your babies were really small and you'd throw them up in the air, did they ever hesitate to be like uh, are you gonna catch me? No, they would, they would, they're probably laughing, they're probably having a great time. Um, so why, why are they like, what do they have? What do they have in us? Trust. They have trust. And I think in the spirit of Lent, this is a really great topic to talk about. Um, our trust in God. Um, which, of course, is another, word of, another way of saying faith. Another way of saying abandonment. You'll, you'll hear that sometimes. Um, but what makes trust difficult is that it means that we relinquish control. It means that things don't look the way we think they're supposed to look all the time. Um, we get scared, we get uneasy, we don't really like surprises when it comes to, like, our life, right? Um, there's this book I really love called Gift of Faith, and there's this line in there that I was like, oh, perfect, and he says, maybe you are afraid to abandon yourself to him because you are afraid of what he may do with you, okay? Again, maybe you are afraid to abandon yourself to him because you are afraid of what he may do with you. So many times I feel um, if I say, okay, God, your will, not mine, but I'm a little scared. Like, I I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't know what that actually means or what it's going to look like. Um, And sometimes I'll be like, okay, okay, God, I I trust you, but can you make it look like this, 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 this? Can you make it be like this, this so that I'm sure? Um, And so, like, we're kind of putting conditions on that. So, um... There's a story uh, about Mother Teresa and uh, a priest by the name of Father John Kavanaugh. We've heard this before. I think several of us have heard this before, but I think it's worth repeating here. And, and when we're talking about things like clarity or things like trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Okay, so it says, when the brilliant ethicist, Father John Kavanaugh, went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, he was seeking a clear answer as to how to best the spend his re- sorry, how to best spend the rest of his life. On the first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. She asked, and what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for? She asked. He voiced the request that he had had borne thousands of miles from the United States, because that's where he was from, and he was traveling to see her. He said, pray that I have clarity. She said firmly, no, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity that he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. So, craving clarity, we attempt to eliminate the risk of trusting God. Fear of the unknown path stretching ahead of us destroys that childlike trust in the Father's active goodness and unrestricted love. So, like I said, we think it's risky, we're scared, we don't know what He's going to do with us, we don't, don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and, and, and sometimes we forget, too, that we forget what, how He's worked with us in the past, we forget what his love looks like because we're too busy trying to make it look the way we want or make it look like like ours. And we've heard this verse in Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So sometimes I think of this like maybe I think of a situation in my life where I wanted something to go one way, went completely differently, I thought, that's it, it's over, and they end up being better than what I originally thought, and maybe that's been an experience for many of us, and we can think of these things, think of the past, think of how God has been faithful in the past, and that can kind of help us remember that he is good and he doesn't ever let us go. Um, so trusting God in our earthly life, daunting, right? What's gonna happen in the future? Will I get married? Will I have kids when we were younger? What school am I gonna go to? All these, like the questions are endless, endless. Um, but more importantly, we also have to trust him in our spiritual life. Um, and, and as we trust him, our spiritual life gets deeper and deeper. Um, it is difficult, though, because we always want, to, we always want reassurance. We want to like, know, okay, yeah, you're doing this right. Yes, did, and, and, and sometimes you kind of drive yourself crazy. Like, did I pray today? Did I pray right? Did I say the right things? Did I do the right stuff? Um, but... And so sometimes we're like stuck, like it it, it doesn't look any different or feel any different. Um, But any sort of progression in the spiritual life is going to come with trials and tribulations. It's promised, we know it. Um, But uh, St. Padre Pio, whom I love, as you know, um, speaks about this, this difficulty of like the trials and like, what am I doing? And he says, you complain because the same trials are constantly returning. But look here, what do you have to fear? Are you afraid of the divine craftsman who wants to perfect his masterpiece in this way? Would you like to come from the hands of a, such a magnificent artist as a mere sketch and no more? So if you think of an artist and they do a sketch, they're not happy with that first draft or the second draft or the third, and they work on it and they work on it and it takes sculpting if they're clay and, and paint and like go over it and over and over, okay? Sure, it's painful for the, the thing, right? Like, You have to break stuff and mold stuff, but at the end, they're a masterpiece. So we're not meant to be a sketch. We're meant to be a masterpiece, okay? He doesn't want our soul to stay in sketch form. Um, Sister Ruth Burroughs, if you don't know her, get to know her. She's amazing. Um, She wrote this book uh, called believe in Jesus. And there's a whole thing that she writes about trusting in accepting whatever God gives you, whatever comes um, in his providence. And, uh, And here's what she says. She says, those who are steadily moving towards holiness live abandoned to God, seeking him and not themselves. This means in practice that they accept a life of mystery and insecurity, things we don't like. Uh, the ideas they have formed of God and his ways are turned upside down nothing makes sense all seems meaningless and what spiritual life they thought they had disappears remember this verse right in Isaiah that says for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways right it's the same idea so we think we know we rely on ourselves um and then but then the more we trust the more we see maybe I wasn't so right it's kind of like when we were kids um, and our parents said no you can't do this no you can't go there like but I want to and I want to do it and it's the best and we get mad and then later maybe they were right you know and uh, or like when our kids do this to us and we're like just just trust me I know what I'm talking about I've been through this right but we still our kids are still argue with us or we'll still argue or whatever it is um, so that's part of it. And so then she says, to themselves, the people who are working towards holiness, uh, they seem no different from those who, with regard to God, live casually. Far from seeing themselves growing in insight and closer to God, the opposite happens. So that's kind of unsettling a little bit because you think, okay, I'm gonna trust God, I'm gonna do everything, and then it doesn't feel different. You actually feel worse. You feel like you're going backwards, okay? Um, and the closer we get to God, the more we realize who we are in front of him. And so it, it, it's, it's a little bit scary. But there's also a part that's liberating. And it's, it's this thing that, like Mother Teresa said, I didn't have clarity, I just had trust. And she just kept going forward. And it says, so uh, again, Sister Ruth Burroughs, nevertheless, they go on. So no matter, even though they felt like not so good, didn't seem like they were doing anything forward, they still go on, pursuing their path, Relying blindly on God, even though he seems not to be there. They are, they are beset by their weaknesses of all kinds and fail to make a good show in their own estimation. All they do seems paltry and shabby. Even their sufferings are not worthy of the name. They have nothing to fall back on. Nothing within themselves to assure them that all is well. And then here's the part. Nothing except the one thing which is everything. Faith in God's goodness and fidelity. Faith in God's goodness and fidelity; they are willing to take the risk of trusting that all is well, that it makes sense, simply because God is good and is their Father. That's it. That's the only reason. God is good. He's my Father. He's done this for me in the past. He's faithful. That's all I need. It's not easy, but that's that's kind of you know a goal that we can have. Um, we may not feel at the emotional level, but certainly at the spiritual level, that's what's happening. Um, she does go deeper, of course, the sister, she's she's kind of a tough love kind of lady, but like she has good things. Um, and she says, okay, so then when, once you say, okay, I'm going to surrender, go for it. God, I trust you. Do what you want. She says they're willing to take the risk, leap into the dark. That's what faith means. Trust, same idea. They lay the whole burden of themselves, how they stand with God, their spiritual life on God. So they give it all to him. My spiritual life, everything is yours, God. Um, Sure that he will never let them down. All their attention and all their energies are bent on doing his will, trying to please him. They abandon all care of themselves, all desire to see that they are making progress, all desire to be safe. They do not ask for any pat on the back, any echo of applause, any glimpse of their beauty. They are not interested. They're only interested in in God having what he wants. They are sure he will guide them, showing them how to please him at every moment and that if there's anything in them that displeases him, he will show them how to work with him for its destruction. They go on peacefully in their daily routine, feeling mediocre, unworthy of God, just like the rest of men. There's no posing, no pretension. They stand in truth. God alone matters. So that's what it looks like. Don't try to look, we're not supposed to try to look for, am I doing the right thing? Am I making progress? Am I doing, as long as we trust and we have good intention, then that's it. And God is not passive. He's not gonna, he's not gonna sit there and go, okay, thanks for trusting me. Okay, go, right? Like he's gonna, he's gonna work and he's gonna, and the nice thing is he shows us how to do the things that he's asking us to do. He doesn't just say, okay, figure it out on your own. No, he shows us. and he shows how to, how to accept his providence. And if we do something wrong or there's something that's not quite there, then he'll turn it and make it for good in some way. Um, there's this other spiritual writer that I really like. And uh, he takes this to a different, a different kind of analogy of playing on the beach, playing in the shores. And he says, it is time to stop playing on the shores in mediocrity with the water up to our knees. So where it's comfortable, right? I'm on the shores, I'm not, I can still touch the ground with my feet, I'm still good. I'm gonna stay here, I'm comfortable here. He's saying it's time to be uncomfortable. It's time we must stop doing the things that do not bring any practical consequences to our life. Deep down in our soul, we're probably afraid of losing control, of letting him be the one to direct our boat, our life. We are at the shore, but God waits for us deep in the sea. Inner voices tell us that we should be careful, that we shouldn't go too far, that we shouldn't burn all our ships in case we have to come back. This is the voice of the prudence of the flesh, as St. Paul calls it, but it's a false prudence that presents only the vision of a roof that moves down and that always finds some excuse to prevent us from giving ourselves entirely. So we're always, I think we get in our own way sometimes. It's risky. We don't like risk. The life of a disciple of Christ is made of small and large acts of madness, which happens when one is truly in love. So here's that feeling again, right? We don't want to take risks. We don't like, um, like we don't like not being sure. But again, the life of a disciple of Christ is making small and large acts of madness, which happen when one is truly in love. Okay, and that's that. That small and large acts of madness, that abandoning, are what we want and our will and how we think things should look like. That is. An act, in, our, in our minds, an act of madness, but because we love him and because he loves us, that's why it works. And he goes on, he says, but this time the voice of Jesus has special strength in our hearts. This is the moment of faith, of prayer, of conversation with God in order to open your hearts to the tide of grace and allow the word of Christ to pass through us with all its power. Come with me, he tells us, to the deep waters, and there you will cast your nets to fish, and obeying him will bear fruit a great number of fishes, as it did for the disciples. Each one of us has this call to go deeper. It doesn't want us to be on the shore. He wants us to be in the deep with him. So I have this small story. I have a lot of quotes today, I know. Um, it's a secular story, but it's a good analogy. I think it works here. It says, I recall watching, uh, this writer is talking about his perspective. He says, I recall watching a small sailboat from the pier when I was a child. It was a very beautiful sailboat. I would run around opening cabin doors, as you can imagine it, filling in my curiosity with great illusion. But then I observed that there are some doors that didn't close, and many things had grown old in time. I asked the captain, and he told me, This boat is old because it does not sail. It needs to sail. It seems that the pier was a place that hurt the boat. Since the boat was made to sail, the crash of the waves against the bows is good for it. So the boat is getting old. It's not fulfilling its duty, even though it's on the shore and do it like it's easy to just sit there. But it's getting old and it's getting, it's not doing, it was made to sail. It was made to be out on the shore, out in the deep. That's what boats are. We were made to sail, be out in the deep. We were made to be masterpieces, not sketches. It's the same idea here. Bless you. Um, So back to when we were talking about the kids jumping into our arms like, blatant disregard for their safety because they trust us but why do they trust us because who are we to them their mom their dad their parent god is our father so even more so how much should we trust him he created us he doesn't want us to be anything less than a masterpiece Um, so trusting god is tough It's it's uh, and I said this a hundred times today. But there's a I have this prayer that I think helps. And actually, can you help me pass this out? Thank you. Um, I want to pass it out so that you could. I'm going to read it. If you'll indulge me, I'll read it. Um, It's called the Litany of Trust. And while it's passed out, I'll kind of of explain it. So litanies are typically like we have some sort of thing we're asking God for, and then we have a, a response, like call and response. So in our church, it's like. The priest will say something, and we typically say, Lord, have mercy. I've seen it a hundred times. Um, this one, written by a nun, I did not write this. I wish I could take credit for it, because it's beautiful, but I didn't write this. A nun uh, in the Catholic Church wrote this. And it's kind of split in half. So the first half of it is asking God to get rid of, like, anxieties and fears and all these things. And after every sort of little prayer, it's, deliver me, Jesus. And then the second part is asking for the grace to trust him, to trust in his love and his providence, all those things. And that response is, Jesus, I trust in you. So I wanted to read it, but I wanted to make sure you had the words because I think it resonates better when you can read it as well. Um, so I'll just, I'll just read it. Here we go. Um, From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From your refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear Of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me, Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me, Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you, Jesus, I trust in you that you are with me in my suffering, Jesus, I trust in you, that my suffering, united to your own, will bear fruit in this life and the next, Jesus, I trust in you, that you will not leave me orphan, and you are present in your church, Jesus, I trust in you, that your plan is better than anything else, Jesus, I trust in you, that you always hear me, and in your goodness, always respond to me, Jesus, I I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others, Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked, Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift, Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you, Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God, Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one, Jesus, I trust in you. So may he help us, trust him more, and show him how to do so. Glory be to God. Amen. Are there any questions at all? I have a question. Of course Um, you do. (laughs) So so let's say um, we're on the shore or we don't want to go deeper or, you you know, we're just the, the sketch or the rough draft and we're okay with that. How do we decipher if for him to wanting us to go deeper or be a masterpiece that that might bring up pride? or ego, or where you're good at just being in the safe zone, just so you don't bring up those other vices. Like you're worried about, like, self-righteousness? Yes. I think that's why we never, I think that's why God doesn't technically, like, sometimes doesn't allow us to feel that we're getting closer, or that we're getting better, or holier, because having that self-righteous pride will take it all away. So I think that's why we feel, like, that aridity, and that, like, I don't feel anything and and you know mother Teresa when she was first um when she was first a nun she was a nun in a different order completely and she actually had a vision of Christ he came to her and he said I want you to start a new order and serve the poorest of the poor and so then and she had all of these like she had several I think several visions and then she prayed to forget about those so that she would never think that she was holier than everybody else or that she was relying on that She wanted to be blinded because of this, so I think that's, I think it's in his providence that he doesn't let us feel that we're feeling, that we're feeling more holy. Any other questions? Okay, we can pray.